0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Spin Cycle Podcast after a short hiatus because I got COVID and then I recovered and then I went to Puerto Rico. I actually recorded an episode twice before I left and it was about the FLDS people and honestly it was just too dark and like not fun and so I trashed it. So here we are with Another episode that is actually a little bit dark too, but um, much less than the FLDS cult. (laughs) Unless you've been living under a rock, you might know that this week, Jen Shaw from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City pled guilty in her federal court case, which was a real shock because she has maintained her innocence since her arrest in 2021. One thing I love about this story is that shit's always going down when they're filming. Shout out to Andy Cohen for that. So a little bit of background. Jen Shaw was cast on one of the newer Real Housewives franchises, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And when that franchise was first announced, everybody was kind of like, what, Salt Lake City? Like, are you kidding me? But then it's actually turned out to be a really... Like compelling show and also one of the more diverse casts. They're all different races. They're all different religions. It's a really interesting look at this um, very odd community. (laughs) Obviously, the state of Utah is (laughs) of interest to this podcast between the mom talk drama, the FLDS attempt, and then now Jen Shaw. I guess I should visit Utah soon. Anyway, um, Jen Shaw was arrested on March 30th, 2021 for allegedly scamming hundreds of people out of money and specifically targeting senior citizens via a telemarketing scheme that spanned over six states. She was initially charged with one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with the telemarketing and then one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering. These are really serious offenses. You can face up to 20 years in federal prison if you're convicted of money laundering. I think that's specifically in Texas, but that's neither here nor there. On April 2nd, 2021, Shaw pled, pleaded, whatever, not guilty, to both charges against her. Her initial trial, which was supposed to be last October, had been pushed back a million times until it ultimately was slotted to take place on July 18th, 2022. But Mm -hmm. on July 11th, 2022, she changed her plea to guilty. Now I want to put a little bookmark right there. And I want to talk about this documentary on Hulu called The Housewife and the Hustler, The Shaw Shocker. And there's also one about Erica Jane. um, In my opinion, that one's a whole lot more sad to be honest, <laughs> but um, it's a really good look at Jen Shaw, her on camera personality, her off camera personality, and how the hell she makes all this money. So, if you don't watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, you probably know nothing about Jen Shaw. She is of Polynesian descent. And she is married to a black Muslim, Sharif Shah, who is an assistant coach for the University of Utah. Literally a special teams coordinator, which no hate, you know what I mean? But the lifestyle that they seem to upkeep on that show makes no sense for an assistant football coach and his wife. That being said, um, Jen has always been very like... Kind of secretive about her business ventures, obviously, but seemed to be the one who maybe made more of the money. In the documentary, they talk about the way that audience members and members of the Salt Lake City cast started to kind of like raise their eyebrows at all of this money that the Shaws were flaunting and not knowing how the hell they got it. Um, definitely would not have lasted on. Beverly Hills (laughs) Um, because of the way the way those ladies like sniff around each other's bank accounts towards like the end of the first season people started being like okay I'm confused about where they're getting their money um, what she does and she whenever she was asked she would always kind of like stammer around and throw out the word algorithm and like leads She also was always with her bestie slash assistant named Stuart, which I'm laughing because that's my husband's name, but it's spelled with a U-A and my husband is an (laughs) E-W. But her bestie slash assistant was also implicated and ended up pleading guilty. So what broke this case wide open was actually a narcotics arrest. Some guy named like Katajbi or something I don't know. I couldn't catch it fast enough on the TV. And honestly, Google isn't helping me. He was arrested for like drug smuggling or drug trafficking or something. And then they found out during that investigation that he was also involved in this nationwide telemarketing scheme. And that's basically what led them to Stewart and Genshaw. Essentially what they were doing is showing these ads to People on the internet that were like work from home or like own your business out of your home and those kinds of like trigger words. And these old people, because they were targeting people over the age of 55, these old people were clicking on these ads and a lot of them were like trying to get some sort of like business off the ground. One lady, oh God, it like made me so sad. This one lady was trying to sell these like blankets that she made. Um, And she ended up spending $29,000 and had to refinance her home um, and all of these, all of these, you know, really stressful things. um, Once she like figured out that she, in her own words, she said, I found out that I'd been had. Um, But it's really sad that they were scamming these old people who were like trying to find additional sources of income when they like, you know, are too old to work or like haven't worked in 30 years or whatever. Um, This one woman named Charlene Foster was almost 90 years old. And I mean, they took thousands and thousands of dollars from her. And all of these people, some of them are getting paid back. And most of them made at least like some of their money back. And the way the only way that they're getting them is basically through filing like fraud complaints through their credit cards. Um, but essentially, it has like the telemarketing scheme is set up similarly to a MLM in that um, they just keep like making you purchase more and more things, and they're like, "Oh, that didn't work. You need to just work harder and buy more things," which is basically the exact you know rhetoric that comes from. MLMs. So speaking of MLMs, our girl Jen Shaw actually used to work for a couple MLMs that were sued. Um, She worked at this place called Prosper Inc. that was sued because they literally waterboarded a guy. Pause for effect. Literally they waterboarded him and was like, see how he's struggling to breathe? That's how hard you should be struggling to work. Hello. Then in 2011, she left Prosper Inc. to work at Thrive, which is also like an MLM telemarketing company. Um, And so Thrive, I actually found um, an FTC complaint on them. It says it's a complaint for permanent injunction and other equitable relief. And basically they were accused Of being a telemarketing and consumer fraud and abuse or an an organization that is um, violating the telemarketing and consumer fraud and abuse prevention act, otherwise known as the telemarketing act to, and they were ordered to pay restitution and refund a bunch of money. Basically they were sued by the FTC and in 2015 Jen Shaw was deposed about her involvement and work at Thrive. And after the fact when she leaves to start her own company, at the time all she was doing was just selling leads. She was like, you know, acquiring leads and selling them to these different companies for to do whatever they want with them. But then there was a certain point where she turned a corner and started actually selling services that didn't exist. So that is where she kind of, you know, fucks herself over around 2017. She basically started formulating all these shell companies all the way up through March 2021. And you kind of see in the show um, in season two when Jen gets arrested outside of Beauty Lab and the rest of them are like on the bus and they're freaking out. And Whitney kind of like cracks the case and she's the one that's like, oh my God, like you can, you can claim no profit on a company up to five years or whatever. And, um, she kind of like figures out the shell company thing in real time. And that's really interesting. Um, she turns out she was right. And one of the investigators in this documentary talked about how during COVID, like the scams and schemes were running rampant. And since people were home on their computers all the time, people were just like falling for these schemes left and right. And she was talking about how in the United States, we don't do enough to talk about the ways that people get you like this and the fact that it's such a huge problem, but we kind of don't address it. Um, in the documentary, a professional defense attorney, um, I said professional defense attorney, like what else? Like an amateur defense attorney. Anyway, um, this defense attorney who was interviewed during the documentary said, um, that he speculated that the defense was going to be that the witnesses aren't credible because they're all criminals, Because basically all the people um, who are going to testify in this case are all people who are like convicted con artists. So he was saying that if Jinshaw was his client, that would be his defense. But now there's not going to be a trial because she pled guilty. And a big theme within the documentary was that they could not believe that she was still filming after her initial arrest. And she continues to. In fact, she's filming now. She was filming, I think, like after her, after putting in her guilty plea. I mean, this woman is crazy. (laughs) I mean, it's just nuts. So before we get into um, all of the recent stuff, I do want to touch on the kind of like overarching theme of this, which is like the the pyramid scheme structure. Um, MLM culture is like a huge thing in Utah. It's actually the MLM capital of the world. There are at least 15 major MLMs in Utah County alone. Um, and... Per capita, Utah has more MLMs than any other state. In fact, it is the second biggest industry in Utah behind tourism. It's literally tourism and then MLMs. Yeah. Part of the reason for this is speculated to be because the heavily Mormon areas are kind of like a time warp in that they have a very high rate for um, prime aged women's non employment. And that's a nice way of saying that Mormons don't let their wives work. So (laughs) it's kind of comparable to like the American woman in the 1950s. And back then, um, direct sales was huge. It was like a way for women to bring in money, but still kind of like work around motherhood. That's kind of like at the root of all of this is that Utah is such a pyramid friendly state. And this scheme that Jen Shaw was involved in was running in six states, but primarily in Utah, Nevada, and Arizona. Okay, so now let's get into the July 11th hearing. So on Monday, she entered a guilty plea. And much like her predecessor, Teresa Judice, <laughs> she is going to keep filming as long as she can. She had maintained her innocence up until Monday when she appeared in a New York court and pleaded guilty before Judge Sidney H. Stein, and she admitted to wire fraud and offering services with little to no value. She said, quote, we used interstate telephones and emails. I knew many of the purchasers were over the age of 55. I am so sorry. Her guilty plea, like I mentioned, means she won't stand trial, and unfortunately, The penalty of up to 30 years in prison is on the table. Her attorney, Priya Chandri, told People, Ms. Shaw is a good woman who crossed a line. She accepts full responsibility for her actions and deeply apologizes to all who have been harmed. Ms. Ms. Shaw is also sorry for disappointing her husband, children, family, friends, and supporters. Jen pled guilty because she wants to pay her debt to society and put this ordeal behind her and her family. And she'll be sentenced on November 28th. So that being said, we have a really long time until she gets sentenced. As I'm recording right now, it's July 12th. So she has like four and a half months to prepare to be sentenced. In my opinion, that sounds completely torturous. I would be like, can you just sentence me right now? Like, why do I have to sit on my hands for four months? Um... It's also right after Thanksgiving. So I guess it's nice she gets to spend Thanksgiving with her family, even if she gets sentenced to like a million years. Um, And now that we've kind of like downloaded all the details, you've got all the facts. Now it's time for me to talk about my opinions, my favorite part of the podcast. I feel like it was really obvious um, kind of from the beginning that Jen's been lying a lot. I think she lied down to like, The tiniest details of her getting arrested, like when she gets off the bus and leaves. And like she claimed at the time that Coach Shaw had internal bleeding and that's why she had to leave um, because she was going to meet him off at the hospital. But then, like seconds later, in the Beauty Lab parking lot, there are like a million cop cars and Homeland Security is there and NYPD is there in Salt Lake City. So That to me already was like a red flag. I was like, obviously she got tipped off. Somebody told her to get out of there. And her excuse is that Shaw has, Coach Shaw has internal bleeding. Then come to find out um, at the reunion, (laughs) which was actually really funny, she was confronted about it and they were like, so somebody tipped you off that like you were going to get arrested and that's why you left. She was like, no, somebody really called and said that coach Shaw really was in the hospital and really did have like butthole problems. (laughs) Like he was basically like, yeah, it was, I had rectal bleeding, not internal bleeding. So she was like just saving face, um, which so like, so manly of him to get up there on the reunion set and be like, my wife's not lying. My ass was bleeding. (laughs) But like, I love Coach Shaw and I think he's a really good man, but I think that was a total lie. I think somebody definitely tipped her off. um, And she didn't even like, I don't know, the whole thing is very sketchy, but I think she lied from that point like forward. And she's just like, in my opinion, not even very good at it. I feel like during the whole reunion where she was defending herself about everything and she kept like, bringing race into it where it didn't need to be. <laughs> like she kept saying like, oh yeah, like the brown girl and her black husband, like you think that we're just thieves because like we couldn't possibly have the same amount of money that you do, which was like a smart tactic. But um, you know, when Homeland Security arrests you on camera, like you don't get to use the race card. That being said, it really was fucked up when they like raided her home and they made her sons and nephews feel like criminals. I do feel like that was racism. Um, and I do feel like that was wrong. However, um, you know, you can't commit fraud and then expect, um, your family to be treated like royalty. But alas, um, I definitely think that she's been lying, but to be honest, it doesn't make me like her any less. Um, I Probably because I always thought she did it. I never really thought that she didn't. I do think that Jen is able to kind of like compartmentalize. I think she thinks that if she's like really good to her family, that that like forgives the sins that she commits against others. And I think that a lot of people justify and rationalize their actions that way by like pouring into the people close to them, like their very intimate circle of family and like some friends. And then anybody outside of that, they're ki- they kind of just like piss on. And I do feel like Jen Cha is one of those people. That being said, Jen Cha always um, likes, responds to, and reposts my stories about her on Instagram. So, you know. I think that I count as one of those people in her inner circle. (laughs) So one thing that I'm really interested to watch play out is how her family receives this. I personally think that her husband had to know, at least know something because, you know, I own my own business and I get it my husband doesn't know everything that goes on within my business but if just overnight you know I had millions and millions of dollars in the bank account he'd be like what are you doing <laughs> he'd be like he'd be like um we need to talk but I'm I'm really interested to see how they interact with each other because it does seem like sometimes he can get kind of like disappointed in her. I think that he really like believes in her because he probably does reap those benefits of being in her like close knit circle. And she's probably really wonderful and lovely to him. And he probably has a hard time like having to observe her the way she is with him versus the way she is with others. Um, So I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic to see. Um, Also, You know, her sons hold her to kind of a high (laughs) standard of behavior whenever she acts out. They, like, won't really speak to her. They are not here for the drama and the mess. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle things and um, if they support her. I hope that they support her. (laughs) I know I sound like I have, like, a lot of sympathy slash empathy for her, which I do to an extent because I think, like, because of the way she is with those close to her, I think that it's going to hurt them. I think that's probably the biggest difference between her and Erica Jane slash Erica Girardi is that Erica, like, is such an ice queen. She doesn't have people close to her who are, like, relying on her, and um, she doesn't have, like, these dependents that Jen Shaw does. And, you know, Jen Shaw houses her family and like, um, she, she helps them out so much, both like financially and otherwise. So I think that's kind of where there's more room for sympathy is that it's, what's happening with Jen Shaw is affecting so many more people. Outside of just her, Jen also, you know, she said she was sorry. And Erica is always just kind of like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't know, period. And then also, she doesn't have a family. And I never want to punish women for not having families. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to say that, like, she is less deserving of sympathy because she's not, like, married with children. Um, Even though I know she does have one son, but we never see him. So there's that. But I just find that um, we're able to see more depth to Jen than with Erica. It seems like the only thing that Erica cares about is money. And Jen does not come across that way at all. So that's my two cents on the difference between those two. I'm really interested to see what happens now. I guess we just have to wait and see what happens in November. I think by that time, Salt Lake City will probably be airing or have aired. They are like an end-of-the-year air typically. So I'm really excited for that next season. And I want y'all to let me know what y'all's thoughts are regarding the Shaw case, if you agree with my assessment about Jen versus Erica. And let me know who you think's going to be on her side and who won't be. It'll be interesting to see how Heather and Meredith react. <laughs> now, this is a completely separate subject, but its it does involve Utah Mormons. So I'm just going to shoehorn it in right here. If y'all didn't see on my personal Instagram, I shared this story um, that was kind of like broken by Barstool. Um, and Barstool sucks. I hate them. But there is one guy that works for them that I like, and his name is like Jack Mack or something like that. So this guy Jack, on Barstool at Jack Mack Barstool on TikTok, he broke this crazy story about Zach Wilson, who's the quarterback for the New York Jets and was drafted out of BYU. So you guessed it, he's Mormon. Now this story comes out an interesting time, seeing as how the mom talk TikTok soft swinger shit has been playing out over the internet. But now we've got it leaking into the NFL. So this guy, Zach Wilson, he looks like probably the guy that like sat next to you in eighth grade math class and you thought he was so cute. He looks just like that. And like he somehow became an NFL quarterback. Well, His ex-girlfriend, her name is Abby Guile. She like went with him to the draft. She was his ride or die, you know, whatever. It appears that they like break up because she stops posting about him. And then she gets tagged in a picture, basically hard launching her new relationship with Zach Wilson's best friend. His name is like Dax or something stupid. Yeah, Dax Milne. I don't know. They were like besties at BYU. They played BYU football together and they were roommates. And now Abby is with him. But the craziness does not end there. Okay. Someone commented on one of her Instagram photos and called her a homie hopper, which is my favorite derogatory phrase for women. And she responds and she said verbatim he was sleeping with his mom's best friend. That's the real homie hopper. Woof. Now, lots of people are chiming in, of course, because all the Utah Mormons know each other. So there are people who are chiming in and being like, no, like this isn't true. It's kind of true. And people are alleging that he was sleeping with a mom, but it wasn't his mom's friend. It was somebody who's, I guess, kind of like younger than his mom, but older than he is. That's the T, that's the word on the street. I choose to believe that he was fucking his mom's best friend because that is a better story. So that's what I'm going with. He reached out to this guy, this Barstool guy, this Jack, Jack Mac Barstool guy, and asked him to like remove all of his posts. And so he did. And then he realized that Zach Wilson had like blocked him on everything. So he put it all back up because he was like, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> and then he blocked me. So if the, if we have any listeners in Utah, can you just send us a signal to let us know that you're okay? Because things are bad down here in Texas, but they're not quite as wacky as they are up there in Utah. But this does beg the question, what's going on with, with those Utah Mormons? It seems like there's a scandal every other day. It seems like everybody's sleeping with each other's moms. That's That was the thing that made me tap out of the FLDS podcast was having to explain Warren Jeffs marrying his mom's sister wives. (laughs) That's some crazy shit. Well, that's all I've got for y'all today. Stay tuned for more tea on Zach Wilson's mom. (laughs) I'll see you next week. Bye.